All right. Yes. What do you want to know? So uh, I guess just first, um, boots on the ground. You came in here. Uh, I'm pretty sure you heard all about the conditions. But what was your assessment? Um, you know, your first week on the job. Well, I've been two weeks on the job. I'm still assessing. I haven't had a chance to visit all the housing units yet. And I, I like to visit with the officers to uh, to hear what their issues and concerns are and uh, to assure them that we're moving as fast as we can to hire people and, and to improve the place. So there's a lot of discussion now about uh, declaring a state of emergency here at the prison uh, given the severe manpower shortages. As the director, what, what's your take on that? Well, we have a crisis to deal with and, and whether you declare emergency or not, it's the same same challenges. Uh, there are some benefits to a declaration of emergency, but, but uh, you know, the governor's got the attention that we need and and, uh, and that's really what we need to drive it and because she's committed to uh, like additional recruitment and improvements uh, I'm not sure we need the emergency declaration so I know that uh, I think mid-November uh, the governor said that she was trying to expedite the hiring of 40 to 60 officers uh, it's been a month where are we uh, in that process you know the hiring is slow and, uh, and, and it's being fast-tracked. So uh, this week I met with uh, Ed Byrne from the uh, Department of Administration and to thank him because they have been expediting hiring. And we've, uh, we've already had job offers for about 25 and we're interviewing some more. And we hope that, to hire 40 eventually, a total of 40 or thereabouts. That's just correction officers. We also have additional positions that we're trying to get like a couple of parole officers, a couple of uh, case workers and treatment people. Now let's talk about how important um, you believe these uh, parole officers and these case workers are because a lot of the conversation has been on hire more corrections officers. Well, you know, the baseline is you need, uh, before you do anything, you, you got security. Now the whole prison uh, correctional concept is you got to have security before you do programs. But uh, in, the, in several years, we haven't, uh, you know, the, the funding for corrections has been shortchanged year after year after year. And so the first cut has been programs. Programs would be like treatment programs, like uh, sexual, sexual abuse and uh, anger management, drug abuse. Those are some, some of the common programs that we've had years past, and we, we, don't, we don't do them today. And I think that helps prepare people. But in addition to that, we got caseworkers who do uh, assessments and counseling and, um, and, 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 and prep people for release so if we can prep them better for release and then we get uh, more parole officers to supervise them outside of the correctional facility I, I believe we'll have a better chance of reducing recidivism and that's the end goal if, if we don't address recidivism uh, we're just going to keep growing our population and i don't think that's what we want right so how um have you been able to look into uh, erroneous releases or, or any uh, processes that uh, may have led to those releases and what, what are you uh, uh, doing to address that problem? Well, two, about a week and a half ago, uh, we, we uh, did a walkthrough with uh, Magistrate Judge Kwan, and uh, that was maybe a week and a half ago, and we looked at uh, the trail from the time an officer uh, brings in an arrestee and there's a booking process that GPD does and then we walk them into a, the correctional facility to, to do our record booking in as well. And, um, and then we talked about uh, the courts and, and uh, aliases. And, and so from the courts, we get release orders and confinement orders. And the problem we've had is, is that uh, we've, 
you know, there's a late delivery of these orders from the courts, and that's not their fault. That's just the way that that day runs. Uh, by the time the judge issues the order and signs the order, and then the marshal delivers the order to us. So there's some delays, uh, but on our end, we have to uh, ver verify the identity of the inmate and make sure that there is a confinement or release order, and then and execute those orders before midnight because the order is good until midnight because we don't want to hold them a day longer. So there are a lot of legal uh, time timetables. Uh, but I think the, the, the two prior ones, I think I remember the two prior ones, one was clearly our fault. I think we overworked our officers and, and, the, and the supervisor uh, saw there was a confined order and, and the supervisor authorized the release. So that was our mistake. In, an, in another situation, uh, it was a, a systemic mistake. And the systemic mistake is this. And I think in the legislative oversight, you heard some of the problems for the, for the release orders. And it's really, when people get arrested, the first question from an officer is, what's your name? And then uh, if they give us a, a, an alias, uh, then we have a John Doe with an alias. And when GPD fingerprints them, that goes into the APHIS system for the FBI. And it will quickly come back with all the aliases if we had them before. And I think the problem is the system, we're missing that from GPD to corrections. And then the, that's not getting to the AG and it's not getting to the courts. So in the court calendar, you may have the same defendant with different aliases. They may be seeing different judges. You follow? So we, so we, we, we realize that collectively in this criminal justice community, we realize that. So we're, we're coming up with ops plans, game plans to improve that. Right. And, and so we've actually had a good conversation with the Chief Justice uh, a few days ago on how to move forward and, and better do that. And part, part of this technology. Uh, we don't, for instance, have the FBI system in corrections. And, and, then, and then, you know, so there, there's some ideas we're floating around to figure out how to best do it. Part of it is, and part of the problem and solution is that GPD is moving. So the, the GPD booking area in Hagatnya is going to be moving to Sinahanya for the new precinct. And that's going to happen very soon. And then and it's, for us, is what are we going to do from our end when we receive that, that inmate? So some years ago, we used to have it here by our ladies' uh, facility. And then, it's, and then it was moved down to Hagatnya. And, and at this time, it probably made sense uh, for, for, the, for the president. It probably doesn't make sense anymore because GPD is moving. And uh, we don't want to transport the, the, the detainee twice. So, so uh, we're looking at, we're not sure what we're going to do, but one of them is to move that hub, that, that DOC hub for in-processing back up to Manila. So we're not finalized on that, but that's, it feels like that's what's going to happen. So what about the um, uh, Aganya precinct? Is that, do you guys, was there something with you wanting to use that? Well, there were some discussions on that, but we're, we're still, uh, Assessing it, so I, I've got my 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 crew, my managers, uh, making uh, assessments and recommendations. So that's not set in stone, then. Not necessarily. There there are pluses and minuses, and we got to look at all of those pluses and minuses before we execute. I just got to ask. So a month ago, um, the environment here at the prison was we had uh, corrections officers, you know, putting out these anonymous letters. How far have we come from? Uh, you know, the atmosphere and the climate uh, here at that time to now and what's happening under uh, your watch? I, I, I really don't know. I, you know, I, I've been too busy doing other things and uh, uh, it, I, the sense is that I'm hearing is better, but I, I, really, I really can't comment on it. I don't know.
And so when you came in, there was uh, no indication that, um, or, you know, I mean, the, the letters had raised a lot of points, um, I guess, about your predecessor, but you didn't see that when he came in, is what you're saying? No, no, and, and, the, and the governor took the time to meet uh, our employees and listened, and she has a, a, a list of things that she's promised to do, and we're, we're executing those, but I'm also adding to that list. What, what are you adding? Well, I want, you know, my, my belief is, and I think our practitioners believe that, that we need to better prepare our inmates for release because most of them are going to come out. And we failed to do that over the years. So we need to improve our internal programs to prepare them. And then I think that we need to talk with the whole criminal justice system, talk about maybe these low risk convicts. We need to have other solutions for them. Uh, just locking everybody up uh, is, may not be the best solution. But at the same time, you know, our, there are people in our community that want blood, right? When you get violated in any way, you want blood. And at the same time, we've got to look at what is the best uh, treatment or, or processing for convicts. And, and we have to, I think it's a continuous debate uh, because some people want to punish them more and some people want to treat them more. And, and so, I, you know, like the United States is conflicted with all these different extreme ideas, we are also conflicted. And on this, this concept of punishment versus uh, rehabilitation, if you look at those kind of the two extremes, if you're a victim of a crime, you want punishment. And if you have family who are in here, you want rehabilitation. And I think we have to do both. We have to right, find the right balance. And uh, that's what we're trying to find. I've got great experts in here, and I'm going to listen to their recommendations. So you talk about uh, the need to get that baseline security level uh, going. How do you uh, plan to address that and then concurrently move forward with um, you know, the programs that you want to institute that will help address uh, recidivism? Well, that's a, that's a tough question. So I, I had a good meeting with the Chief, Chief Justice and, and part of, one of the concepts is that the courts have electronic monitoring. So I think we're looking at uh, for future uh, arrestees and detainees, maybe we don't need to confine them until trial. Uh, maybe the use of electronic monitoring might be a better option. So, so uh, I, I know Magistrate Judge Kwan has in indicated he'll be more proactive at, at use of electronic monitoring. Uh, the overall I idea is uh, electronic monitoring can be useful, but I think that our legal community hasn't really uh, given it much thought because they're still doing stuff the way we've always done it. And the thing is, in here, we're busting at the seams. We have, uh, you know, 700 people we've got to take care of collectively between Manila and Hagatnia. Uh, our facilities are not designed for 700 people. And if you keep incarcerating more people, uh, what do we do? So we really have to do a, ask ourselves collectively, the whole community, how should we address this? It's not a corrections problem, it's, it's a Guam problem.